0: I was listening to the worship and I, I couldn't shake this. It's not part of the it's not part of the message, but I was just praying and I was I was listening to the worship. Gosh. And this hit me. <clears throat> so I'm gonna read it to you because I, I think some of you might be feeling the same thing. I hope you are. I hope you are. But 2 Kings chapter 4, and it's just a few verses. And Elijah's talking to this woman who's husband died. And she's kind of in trouble. She was part of the, of the He was part of the prophet of the part of the group of prophets, company of prophets. And it read, just reads like this. <clears throat> the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband's dead. And, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditors coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what can I do? What do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. So Elisha said, well, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each one is filled, put it to one side. She left him. She shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and they kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There's not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went, and she told the man of God, and he said, Well, then go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what's left. What struck me as I was worshiping and what caught me Partly partly your your prayer, Dave, uh, beforehand. People, look around at the chairs that are not filled. I'm not interested in a big church. That means nothing to me except for this. Empty chairs are empty souls. That's the issue. So what we're going to do is this is a season where God's moving. It's a season where God's moving. I know it's a new season. He's been speaking it's a new season. It's a new season all over the place. My daughter in Florida was telling me the worship they just had last week at at, at Calvary Chapel in St. Pete, and it just blew the socks off the place, and everybody was just on their knees and weeping and just felt the Spirit of God so powerful. God's moving. So because God's moving, let's move with Him, not miss it. If the oil is flowing, go get your neighbor. If the oil is flowing, don't just ask for a few. Go get them. Go say, hey, look, please come with us. Just come. Just listen to what God's saying. Just come be a part of the body of Christ. We, we will affect our community. We will affect those around us. We will affect our neighbors. All of us with different spheres of influence in our little worlds with a small little jar of oil that we got from the Holy Spirit can affect a mondo community. We've just got to keep going while the oil is available. Is the oil always available? Yes. Is Jesus always with us? Of course, but there are certain times when he moves powerfully. You'd be a fool not to recognize that. There are times when Jesus moves and he's moving powerfully in your midst and you don't want to be sleeping when that happens. He's saying to my heart and I hope to yours that there are empty jars and we need to ask him to come in and get filled with the oil of God's presence and be changed. And if we do, while this oil is flowing, if we do, we don't want to just ask for a few. We don't want to just ask one keep asking. Ask a friend. Ask a neighbor. Ask a coworker. Hey, come to church with me. Find out what God's doing. Just experience what he's doing. Just see who Jesus is. We're in one of those times where people's hearts, because of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our area, is supple. So let's take advantage. Because the scary thing is the way that ends. The mom's like, okay, bring me another one. Bring me another one. He said, oh, there's another one. And the oil stopped flowing. It reminds me of when Elisha went to that one king. He's getting ready to go to battle. He said, here's, a, here's some arrows. Strike the ground. And, and as many times you strike the ground. Well, he didn't tell him that. He says, just strike the ground. And the guy's like, just take the arrows and strike the ground. Yeah, just strike the ground. One, two, three. And he gets up. He said, you should have struck it like six, seven times with a little vigor. Now you're only going to win three times. Every time you struck the arrows, you would have won a battle. Now you get three. But the Spirit of God was moving powerfully and gave him the option to partake of it and be a part of it. And he was lazy and didn't care that much and just did it three times. He really wasn't looking for God. He just was looking for a chance to be saved from his enemies. And he didn't aggressively go after what God was offering. God's offering us something right now. Go invite someone. Go tell them to come with you. Ask them to. Don't tell them. (laughs) We we don't really move that way. I'll do it if you have to. Whatever gets them here. Uh, You know, (laughs) handcuffs. I don't know. Invite them. Invite them. It's a season where God is moving on hearts. I was just praying through that entire last song. I hardly sung a word because I was just stuck on the the revelation. The oil's flowing. First, we got to let it flow through us. And then we need to let it flow to our neighbors. Invite them. That's a commercial message. Let's get to the real one. Let's pray first. Lord Jesus, Father, always, always first. Always first. You know, it's just... It's just like when you're riding an airplane and that stewardess is telling you what to do with that air that comes down. She says, hey, hey, adults, put it on yourself first and then put it on the kid. And it seems so so counterintuitive, but what you're saying to us, what they're saying to you is if you don't have any oxygen, you can't breathe. You can't help the kid. He doesn't know how to help you. So, Lord, we've got to breathe your oxygen first. We have to activate in our walk with you first. Get our Bibles open throughout the week. Go over what you're speaking on Sunday, but go over what you're speaking to us personally. And then just, just keep investigating who you are. And as we do that, as we spend time with you, as we bump elbows and let that spiritual serotonin start to really build up inside of us till we molt, 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 molt locusts, once that happens, Jesus, then this, in this time you're going to move. You're going to invite people that we thought were too hard to hear, were too long. It's just never going to happen. You're going to break up fallow ground. Would you do that, Jesus? Use us, break up ground in us, and then use us to break up more ground. And we just ask this in your name. As we open your word, we just ask you speak, only you speak, only you speak. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So the scripture that I'm in is we're, we're going to go to Genesis 15. So if you're, if you're uh, following along in a Bible or Bible app, if you want to see what's on the screen behind me, you can just follow along there. And so we're going to Genesis 15. Had to wait for my Bible app to react. Here we go. I'm going to read it straight through. The, if I was to title this message, If you see it online, it'll be titled Cutting the Covenant or Cutting a Deal. It's literally the Hebrew version of this covenant is to cut a covenant. Obviously, circumcision was a cutting covenant. This is another one. Listen. Genesis 15, starting at verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can I give you? Or what can you give me, rather, since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. And then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and he said, Look up at the sky, count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Just a quick note about that before I keep reading, just a little, another little commercial. In St. Pete, Florida, where I've been for a while, you will look up and you'll try to see the stars. And you'll be looking real close. And it's almost like uh madagascar when you're looking then you realize oh that's just a helicopter or that's just a plane like you literally will mistake those sometimes because there's so much light pollution you can't see the stars clearly and so you have to really get somewhere where it's dark enough get away from the city enough or at least let your eyes adjust enough and you're going like this just trying to see the stars because they're not that clear because there's so much light going on and the city never sleeps up here I walked up to my house. I got out of my van, and it's, it's like this 50-yard dash to the house, you know, through snow. And I'm looking up. I just can't believe it. I forgot it was cold for a second. I was just like, this is unreal. They're so bright. This is so, It's stunning. But to count them? That's not going to happen. I'll tell you another reason it's not going to happen. You have to stare for a while because there's something that actually happens when you stare at stars. Some of them are so, most of them, almost all of them, are so far away that their light takes a long time to reach us. Even though things travel at the speed of light, are traveling like you can't tell how fast it's going. And light moves that fast. You flip a light on, everything's already illuminated. It moves so fast. So even through space, it's moving ridiculously fast. But these things are so ridiculously far away because our God is so ridiculously big and he spread the whole thing out like that. And so these light, this light's coming from so far away that you actually have to stare for a while. And if you do this, try this some night. Just stare up for a while. You'll start seeing more stars. You have to just stay and, and keep looking in the same place. And all of a sudden, more stars will start coming into view because their light is starting to reach and penetrate your eye. It just takes a while for it to happen. You'll see the instant ones, and then you'll start seeing all the other ones. And that's just how this is. Is so often how God is. He'll speak a word like this. Oh, you can't even count your descendants. But he wasn't even telling the half of it. This is the first guy. In just a little while, over 2 million of his family are going to walk out of Egypt. It's not going to take that long. It's going to take four or five centuries. And then all of a sudden, 2 million are walking out of Egypt from this guy that can't have kids. If you keep looking at what God says and what he speaks, his word is like this. Keep looking and you keep looking. You are like, "Oh, I've seen that before. Yeah, but there's other stars near it that the light hasn't reached your eye yet. Keep looking. There's more there. It's always deeper. It's like God himself, his character. It's always deeper. You'll see something obvious and then you'll see something that wasn't. Keep looking. So back to this. Look up at the sky. Count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And they said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and and God credited it to him as righteousness. Yeah, you believe me? That's awesome. He also said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I'll gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, very specific, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. The birds of prey came down on the carcasses, trying to eat them, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. And then the Lord said to him, know for certain that... For 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I'll punish that nation that they serve as slaves and afterward, they'll, they'll come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and you'll be buried at a good old age. And in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. You want to talk about patience? God is saying, these Amorites are sinning ridiculously against me. But it hasn't reached its full measure yet. So I'm giving them 400 years to repent. If they don't, and they're not going to, then I'm going to send your people in to take that land over and and heal the land. Purge the land. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the wadi of Egypt to the great river the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Giants, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. And God tells him when they go into the land, there are seven nations stronger than them. This is a super trippy scene. Like you've got Abram and God speaking to him. And then he's like, hey, here's what you need to do, Abram. If you don't believe me that you're going to have children, here's what you do. Go get me these animals. uh, Cut them in half. Set them on the ground. Don't cut the birds. Put one on each side. Just lay them there and then kind of wait for me. Keep all the birds of prey off them. You know, it's a super odd scene to walk in on. And Abram's all by himself doing this. He, so he's catching some animals. He Unfortunately, asked for a young pigeon, not an old one. That would be easier to catch. He's got, he's got to get these animals. So he's got them all. Some are probably on his farm, but a pigeon? I once thought it'd be hysterical to run through a bunch of them. It is not. Do you know what they do when they take off? If they're scared, they jettison. Uh, I, I couldn't even get my sweatshirt off. Uh, I was late to work because I had to peel it off. Uh, there was like they, they covered the whole parking lot. I thought it would be hysterical. It's not. Don't do that, actually. I was covered. Literally had to peel. So he gets all these animals, and he goes to God. It's just him and God. Nobody's around. It's just him and God. So I, so I guess I cut him in half, you know, tss, tss. He's got to cut these animals in half. You know, if this was a barbecue, things are different. But the man's cutting a cow in half and a, and a ram in half. And he's cutting these animals in half, and then he's laying out the pieces. Have you ever read this scripture before and thought, what? What is this? This is, in that time, a supernormal thing. A Hittite treaty would be based on this. You get an animal or several animals if you really want to amplify how much you mean what you mean. And you cut them in half. And you lay them out like this. Like just, you know, half, 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 and then the aisle in the middle. And then you and the other person you're making the deal with will then walk one at a time, one after the other, through the pieces. There's a reason you're doing this. You know, we we make deals, we buy a house or a car, and you sign like fifty pieces of paper and you're in there for like an hour signing paper. You don't even know what you're signing, you're not even reading anymore. You're just like, yep, yep, yep. Just my first child, yep. Just keep going. Just I don't know what it says. Because you're tired. You've done it like stamp, stamp, stamp. I just gave everything away. I don't know what I'm doing. But it's just so many papers. And that and you're scared. You walk away kind of scared, like I probably should have read some of those. And these guys, they chop up animals. And walk through them. Here's the deal. It's usually done with a stronger nation who has, who has enemies with a weaker nation. And to not go to war, or they've already been to war and they don't want to do this anymore, they make this treaty. And the leaders, the stronger leader and the weaker leader, will they cut up the pieces and they walk through them. And the deal is, if I don't hold up to my end of the bargain, you have the right to cut me up like those pieces. You see, I'd just rather sign some papers. To me, that feels safer, a little more, you know, lawyers are scary, but these guys for, for real. And so you walk through the pieces and, and so, you know, the, the weaker one, what's he going to do to the stronger one? <laughs> he's already the weaker one, but he's got to go first. And so the, the the threat is don't hold up to your loyalty deal, to your end of the loyalty, and, and I will cut you in half like these pieces. That's how this is going to look. And he's also, though, because it's a treaty, it's not just a complete overtake. It's a treaty. So he's also saying, okay, here's the deal. Because I don't want to fight with you anymore either. I'm stronger, you're weaker, but I don't want the battle to keep going. So here's what the deal is. You can actually cut me up. I get cut up. If I don't hold up to my end of the bargain. Here's my end of the bargain. Protection. You get benefits for being with me. You know, you get extra food, you get extra p- provision because you're part of my nation, but here's your deal. You have to be you have to be completely loyal. You can't go get another vassal, uh, another a uh, leader, another someone, another ro- person reigning over you and that's who your loyalty now because I'll consider that treason and you get cut up. You get one Leader, that's me, but you get benefits from me. That's what the stronger guy's saying. So you walk through the pieces, one and then the other. Here's what's so super weird about this everything. <laughs> this is a super weird scene. I would not want to make deals with Hittites. But anyone back in this time would know. So this is what's super weird. Your next thing that you expect to see is, obviously, who's the stronger nation? God. Who's the weaker one? Abram. Abram needs everything from God. Abram's the weak one. The strong one is God. And God says, go cut up these pieces. Keep everything off of it. Don't let anything touch it. Don't let anything mess up what we're doing here. By the way, don't let anything mess up what you're doing here. Okay? This is important. If God's speaking something, don't let Satan snatch it from you. Don't let him snatch it from you. In the New Testament, you find Jesus, he's telling, hey, this this guy goes out, he's sowing seed, he's throwing seed on the ground, and these birds come and eat it up, and then he sows some more seed, and it's hard on the ground, it's bouncing off. Some of it goes in, it grows up real fast, it doesn't really have a good root, and so it dies. And then other ones get choked out by the thorns, and they're listening going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, and they go behind closed doors and they're like, what? What does that mean? We don't get any of it. And we're like your, your right-hand man. We, we don't understand. We want to be able to tell people what that means. He goes, okay, here's what it means. I'll just give you the first one. The seed that gets thrown on the ground, that's when the word of God goes forward. Someone hears it like, oh, wow, that sounds pretty cool. And then by the time they've left the room, it's already been snatched away. Birds come, they eat it up. They're it off the ground. It hit hard ground. It didn't really land. They were affected. They were affected. Maybe even tears. Maybe came down to the altar. Walked out of here, forgot everything they just heard. And that happens. I would hate to say it didn't. I would hate to admit probably how many times a word from God like that happened to me as a Christian. Heard something. I knew what God wanted me to do. Yeah, go do that. Yeah, I don't really want to. Yeah, okay. Tears. Walk out. Didn't do it. It's happened. Birds come and snatch it and take it away. That's just the very first beginning. And so, He's, birds of prey come down. They start, they're trying to pick at the at the at the animals he's killed. But he's waiting on God. He's like, get out of here. You got no business here. Because really, God uses, through Jesus, he uses the birds of prey as symbols of what Satan and his demons do. It's happening again right here. God's trying to make an unbelievable future deal with Abram that's that's crazy awesome. And he's not going to let Satan come and pick at it. It's like no, get out of here! Get away from what God's doing with me. I'm gonna sit right here. I don't care if there's people snickering with me with my cut-up animals. I'm gonna stay right here. I don't care if people think this is stupid or it doesn't make any sense to them. I don't care. Hey, I'll have a good day. I'm, I'm waiting on God. I mean, I got my cut-up animals. Get! Don't buy into what Satan does to try to mock you and take you out of your game. And so he's he's batting them away. No way. You can't you can't come here and pick at my. At my offering to God. No. At my communication with God. It might be something simple. It might be just, you know, TV's going, but you're trying to talk to God. Click it off. Listen. You can watch TV. I'm not, like, against TV. I watch TV. But if if God's trying to speak to you, why in the world have it going? Zoom in. Why did God always have the people collect manna in the morning? Because it it, it would disappear. It would evaporate. You ever notice that? You got in the morning, super quiet. Get up a little early, you've got time with God, there's no distractions. The moment those kids are up, it's over. It's over. Uh, just give me a second, I'm talking to God. Ah, ah, ah. Then I gotta give you a second. They don't care if you're talking to God, it doesn't matter to them. Kids are merciless and wonderful. All at the same time. But, they, but if you get up early and you spend that time with God and you find him there, you collect that manna early, you it's not like you can't later. He'll speak to us all throughout the day. But, man, shut other things down sometimes. Just let it be you and him. Just you and him. Bat the stuff away that's trying to take away what God's doing. So he lays Him out. And he goes into this kind of deep sleep. At first he's batting the stuff away, but then something amazing happens. He falls in this deep sleep. And do you notice... There's no more birds. He's out for a while. He's hearing this big word from God, and he says he falls into a deep sleep, and God's speaking to him and telling him about the next 400 years of what's going to happen, and really kind of down the road even beyond that. Way beyond, 2,000 years beyond. And he's just sitting there listening and listening, and there's no more birds. Why? Because at first, the first part of it is, it's our job to, 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 to protect what God's given us. And God will help us do it. But then when he's speaking to you and he's locked into you and you're just focused there, you don't even need to do that. Because he's speaking to you and you're hearing it and you're just lost in it. Satan can't even get in there. Where that light is, there can't be any darkness. And so you're zooming in on him. You're hearing him. You're feeling that. And there's nothing else. So here he goes. He's in the deep, deep sleep. God's telling him about the future. You know, there's this people, they're going to be brutal to your family. It's going to be four centuries of this garbage. Then you're going to walk out of Egypt and you're going to own everything that they own. And you're going to be free and all the slavery will go away. And then I'm going to take you to this promised land. And so he's, he's, he's listening to this amazing thing. And something crazy happens. A smoking fire pot and a blazing torch go through the pieces. What should go through the pieces is Abram. Who's the weaker one? The deal is the weaker guy goes through. Well, Abram goes through first with the deal that I get cut in half if I don't stay loyal to you, God. God. I feel the wrath of God that rips me in half if I don't stay true. He knows what this deal is, what God's offering. God is doing something that's super-duper in the vernacular of the time. He gets it. He understands. He's seen this done before. He's probably done this with some of the local Hittites when he's purchased land or whatever. This is a deal. It's how you sign it. But he's the weaker guy, and he's supposed to go through first, and he doesn't. He's, He's deeply asleep watching this whole thing play out. But God does. Listen to what it is. It's, it's this cloud of smoke and blazing fire. Does that sound familiar? A pillar and a cloud, a pillar of fire, a cloud, marching them through the desert for 40 years in the wilderness. Does that sound like things that God uses in his word to often describe who he is? Is there a Shekinah glory that drops down on to the temple after they build it? Nobody can even react. Nobody can move because the smoke of God is there because the cloud of the Holy Spirit is there. Doesn't that happen? Isn't there always, isn't there a mountain that the top of it looks like a volcano? It's on fire and they're petrified to go up. Moses just walks up into it like it's not going to kill him. And everybody else is like, don't even touch the bottom of that thing. They'll kill you. God will kill you. We just saw his toes. You, like, like fire and smoke over and over and over and over used to represent God and the Holy Spirit. And so God goes through. God goes through. First, why would God even go through? I made you do what I say. I made your planet. I made it so you can live here. I put it perfectly situated, 93 million miles from the sun, going at just the right speed, not too fast, not too slow, day and night, spinning, orbiting. I did all that for you. The same thing will happen year and year and year year in and year out, year in year out. I set that up. You have, you've got this perfect canopy around you that allows an environment. The only reason we see a blue sky is because we're seeing the reflection of water in the water that's above us. It's not blue. It's black. It's space. You see that at nighttime when the sun's not shining on our atmosphere anymore. But what he's done is incredible. He tells the waves where to stop. He tells it when to rain. He does all of this, and we just walk around the planet like we own it. It's his. And he doesn't say for a second to Abram, just do what I say. I'm God. He's making a deal with him. He's literally cutting a deal. Hey, you follow me. You follow me. Not only will I give you a child that you've been waiting for, that you think can't even happen. Your body's way too old. I'm 52. Becky and I aren't expecting any new children soon. This guy's twice my age. He's almost twice my age, and he's going to get a kid. Now, I know things were a little different back then, but even he's like, different or not, this isn't happening, God. Beck and I had to go get other people's kids. <laughs> we, 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 we couldn't have them anymore. <laughs> so like, Well, we can still do this, though. We can still do this. Yeah. So God makes this deal with Abram. I know you think you can't have a child. I'm not only going to give you a child. in 400 years it will be over 2 million but it's going to keep going but it's more than that I'm making a deal with you I'm cutting a covenant with you it was called cutting a covenant I'm cutting a covenant this is the covenant whichever one of us doesn't hold up to our end of the bargain gets cut in half gets the wrath of God but here's the deal Abram you're not going to walk. You're not walking. I am. And when you don't hold up to your end of the bargain, I'll die. Jesus did you a solid. when you sin and when you are no longer going to follow me, you call something else your Lord and you've got an idol that you care about so much more than me and when you don't even teach your children who I am, so they're raised up and they don't even know and now all kinds of new people have no idea who I am and it's your fault and you didn't do it. And you didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you, you know, you had opportunities to follow me. I gave you, I sent prophets. I sent all kinds of people to you and said, follow me. Just follow me. I begged you to come and you ignore me. And for hundreds of years, you'll do it. For 2,000 years from this moment, when we cut this deal, you will fail. There's none righteous, not even one, the Scripture declares in Romans. There's none. There's not even one. The best among us is just crawling in the spiritual realm. But when you fail, and you go to walk down through those pieces, because it's not you walking, it's me. When you fail, instead of you getting cut in half, it won't be. It'll be me. Jesus fully human, fully God, didn't even know how to die in heaven for all time, completely not touchable, became vulnerable. And how? This is interesting. How? He becomes a baby. The most killable, hurtable, stoppable thing. The unstoppable force of God that created the universe, that, where it says about Jesus, all things were created through him, for him, by him. He is the radiance, the exact radiance of God. And he comes like a little baby in about the most crappy way that any baby could be born. No mom aspires to have a baby in a stable. You know, you know that would be awesome? Nobody, nobody wants that. And so this baby arrives, and they go to the temple. And what do, they, what do they do? What do you do when a firstborn male comes? Two birds. Two doves, two pigeons. Look how, look how, look how this goes. It was normal to cut the animals and walk between them, but the birds were new. The birds weren't normally part of the deal. God added that to the Hittite culture. He puts a, you know, a pigeon on one side and a dove on the other. This is way before Leviticus, but God already knew what he was going to do. That those two birds are the symbol of the firstborn. That's what they are. And you would offer those at the temple. And so he goes and gets it, and you don't break them either. In Leviticus, you do not rip them. It tells a priest specifically, don't rip that in half. That's what it says in Leviticus. So when those are brought for the firstborn son, you don't rip them in half. But you put one on this side and one on that side and walk through it. And just Because look, Abram doesn't walk. God does. What direction? Abram cuts the animal, cuts the animal, cuts the animal, and the last two things are the birds. So here comes God, and he sees God coming at him. After what he just put down, he sees God coming at him. Jesus Christ Two things were offered. The two birds were offered at the temple. He's saying God is going to come like a man. He's going to come like a child. He's going to come like the firstborn child. He's going to come through your lineage. He's going to come through the pieces, and he will take the hit. For your sin, he'll take the hit. He will be torn up. He will be killed for your sin and mine. For our sin, he takes the hit. That's the message of Abram. That's why this is Palm Sunday. That's why when you get into the New Testament, all kinds of people are like throwing their cloaks down, throwing down branches, palm branches. Hosanna, Hosanna. You know what it means? Save. What were we singing Hosanna for? Because it means save. You're the Savior. You you saved us. We get to say in retrospect, You saved us. They were saying, please save us. We're saying, you saved us. Thank you. You saved us, Jesus. You marched into Jerusalem to die, to save us, and then to live and invite us. The promised land waits for us now. That promise from Abram is for us. We've got a promised land. He walked through the pieces. Amen? That's what this is about. That's what this whole scene is about. There's another piece of it. I've got just enough time to pull this off. There's another piece of this. When you did this Hittite deal, when you did it, the deal was... uh, uh, let me see. Make sure I say this correctly. This word is an odd word. Suzerainty, suzerain. Some people would say suzerain. That's what the treaties called. It was known as that, and it wasn't known as that in the body of Christ. It was known as that in just the world at large. This was a Hittite Canaanite procedure that God used to explain it. But what's so amazing about it is the older or more powerful member to this less powerful, older powerful treaty, then said, you are part of my family. You have all the rights that my children have. You have all the rights that my wife has. You coming into this treaty, you are now family with me. I will protect you and give you the rights and the inheritance that I give family. So the more powerful country promises the weaker country your family. You see? That's the deal. That's not from the word of God. That's what the Hittites would do. God uses this to explain. We're going to do this, but Abram, then you're not only going to get a child. You're going to be mine. You're not just going to get a child You're gonna be mine and every child of yours will be my child. You're not just going to be um, family. You're now the bride of Christ. You now get all of the benefits of being in the family like that. What is our response to this? To just sit there dully. (laughs) Thanks for doing me a solid, Jesus. Or is it, Hosanna, you saved me. (laughs) Thank you. I I was going to die. Do you understand that without the blood of Christ on you, the wrath still remains? You still get cut in half. The wrath of God was thwarted by the Son of God. But it's on you still if you haven't invited him into your life and the deal's so good. Want to be family? Want to live forever? Want to be eternal? Want to just find love that puts you in a place where you're like the bride of Christ? I love you that much like this bride that I'm in love with that I'll never ever divorce. Do you want in? Heck yeah. What does it cost? Nothing. Why do people resist this? It's maddening, actually. But the price is kind of expensive. It's your loyalty. It's your heart, your mind. It's everything that you are. That's the price. It's trusting him with your future and doing what he says over what you want to do because he knows better. And he's proved how much he loved us by going through the pieces. So in my last four minutes, I want to finish within the time I would normally do a message, which if some of you are wondering, yes, I do actually put a time limit on my head. It's about 45 minutes. Don't hold me to that because you'd then be holding God to that. (laughs) We're not sure what he's going to do. Is this up? (laughs) You're awesome. Woo! All right. I'm gonna wear this for this. I'm gonna wear this for this. We in there? Is it in? All right. I wrote this song a while ago, but it's a praise song. Because we shouldn't somberly walk out of church when we're talking about a Savior that went through the pieces for us. So this song is not a soft, gentle song. It's just a praise song. Yeah. And I'll praise you in the morning before the workday starts praise you in the evening long after it gets dark and I'll praise you in the noontime for the joy you placed inside my heart and I'll praise you when I am strong and I'll praise you when I'm weak Praise you when my circumstances drive me to my knees And I'll praise you for the mansion that I don't deserve That you saved for me Praise you for that sacrifice you made upon that tree Yes, indeed And I'll praise you in the morning before the workday starts. Praise you in the evening long after it gets dark. And I'll praise you in the noontime for the joy you placed inside my heart. And I'll praise you when I am strong. I'll praise you when I'm weak. Praise you when my circumstances drive me to my knees. And I'll praise you for the mansion that I don't deserve, that you saved for me. Praise you for that sacrifice you made upon that tree. Yes, indeed. Praise, praise your name. Amen. Let's just praise him. <laughs> Thanks for the hat. <laughs> Let's have a quick word of prayer, and then we want to give honor where honor is due. Fifteen years of ministry that is not even remotely over, just transferring to God's next move. And we just want to honor that lord jesus we love you so much we praise you so much god you've done everything we say hosanna you saved us we give honor where honor is due you god walked through the pieces we love you we praise you we worship you and i pray when we leave this place all of us we go with shouts of hosanna with palm branches laying our cloaks Saying, Jesus, you're everything. The deal's so worth it. Praise you. Amen.